Mark's Gospel in chapter 14. You know, as we come to this uh, week of Christmas, and I know that all of us have just a lot of things that are going on. We'll have uh, gatherings with our family, and we'll have the exchanging of presents, and we'll have all the festivities that go with Christmas. Christmas serves for us, as our choir has reminded us this morning, about God's promises. And one of the great promises that we're reminded about is God's faithfulness. How He is faithful to us at this time of the year and throughout the year. How He's faithful to us during good times and He's faithful to us during times that are not good. Christmas does that for us. It should. You know, I know all the things that are going on in your life and all the things that are going on in the world, we can become easily distracted. Uh, We can be pulled in different directions. We can be presented with all kinds of ideas and notions about Christmas. But Christmas should serve to remind us of this faithfulness of God. And so as we've been traveling through Mark together, we come to these passages this morning, the two that I want to read for you, and they're not ones that you might think about for Christmas, and yet what they do is at this time when we need to be reminded of God's goodness and God's faithfulness, they do exactly that. Because as the choir alluded to there near the end, Christ's purpose was not simply in coming and being born, but His purpose was ultimately found in His death on the cross for us. And in that, He was faithful. In that, He fulfilled a promise that God had long made to His people. And so, I want us to look this morning at Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, for just a few moments here. We're going to begin in verse 26, and I invite you this morning to stand with me in reverence to God's Word as we read. Mark chapter 14, beginning in verse 26, the Bible tells us, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, You all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though they all fall away, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, This very night before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he said emphatically, if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And they all said the same. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. 
And again he came and found them sleeping. For their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. You may be seated. We think about the joy of Christmas. We think about Christ's birth. We celebrate as the angels were singing and the shepherds come to visit Him. We think about what would happen later on as wise men or magi would come from the east and they would come and visit Him when He was a young child. We think about all the pomp and circumstance that come with that, the joy of the birth of Christ. But we do that all within the context of knowing what is coming in His life. We know about His ministry. We know about all of the great miracles that He performed. We read His teaching and we think about them and we seek as Christians to apply them to our life. But then we come to this pivotal moment. And we have seen throughout Uh, the Old Testament, and we have seen now throughout the Gospels that Jesus has been faithful, that God has been faithful to us in sending Christ. And we come to this pivotal moment when His disciples have the opportunity to show that same faithfulness. They have the opportunity to follow Him and serve Him And stay with Him as Christ has done for them. And yet, we see in this moment, as we could have expected all all along, and as we would expect to find in our own hearts, that at that moment when the disciples have the opportunity to be faithful, they are not. The good news for uh, Christmas and the good news for Christians is that God is faithful for us even when we are unfaithful to Him. We're faithful even when, or rather He is faithful rather when we are not. A friend of mine posted something on social media recently. Uh, It was an article about Uh, whether or not um, uh, Christians should talk about a certain uh, character that we talk about often at Christmas who wears this red suit and he comes down chimneys and things like that. And uh, there was a debate whether or not that should even be talked about. What should we do as Christians? Ironically enough, many people who want to talk about Jesus at Christmas... And forget about certain other things such as four-legged horned animals. I'm saying these things vaguely so as not to mess up anyone's thing. But it's something you should think about. Something we don't celebrate at my home. Why? Because our world has completely forgot the meaning of Christmas. If you're here this morning, you've never been in a church before, and I I doubt that's the case, but it's always possible that someone could be here who has never been in a church before. It's likely that if that is the case, all of the things that you heard this morning, the things that the choir were singing about would be strange to you. 
Because Christmas is about gifts and it's about jolly old St. Nicholas and his reindeer and his place at the North Pole. And we've lost that meaning. But how ironic that we have lost that meaning of a time when God was most faithful to us. That we've missed the point of a time when God was showing to us the ultimate demonstration of His faithfulness to us. He kept His promise when we had not kept ours. And so this morning, real quickly as we go through this text, I want us to think about these times, these ways, when He is faithful, even if we aren't. Because it's something to encourage you at Christmas. That our God is faithful even when we are not. Look, the first thing in the verses 26 through 28, we see that He is faithful even when we do not follow Him. We're all very familiar with this. Jesus goes from the Last Supper. He leaves there, what we looked at last week in verses 22 through 25, and He goes out to the Mount of Olives, and He's talking to them, and He says, listen, by the way, um, all of you are going to abandon Me at some point. And the disciples say, no, no, I wouldn't do that. I would never do that. As a matter of fact, Peter steps forward. We know Peter's always the guy who's got to be vocal. He's always the guy that's got to say something. He's always got to make a comment. And he says, you know, I wouldn't do that to you, Jesus. He says, even if everybody else leaves, because we know these guys, they might leave. But I'm not going to leave, Jesus. I'm going to stay. As a matter of fact, I will stay even if it means that I've got to die. He says, if following you means I'm going to die, I'm going to follow you. No doubt in my mind. And Jesus looks at him and says, you know what? Before the rooster crows twice, you're going to have denied me three times. Before morning comes, this is late in the evening. Remember, they've just celebrated the Passover supper. They went out singing. They're headed toward the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus is going to pray. And he's talking to them. It's already very late in the evening. And he says, before the sun comes up tomorrow, you're going to deny me. He says, I am going somewhere and you're not going to follow. So he says, I will strike, this is being written from the Old Testament, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. You will all fall away. Isn't it good to know as we come to Christmas and we're coming to the end of a year and we can begin to evaluate where we have been this year and we can evaluate what we have been doing, we can probably see some times where we were definitely not following Jesus. We can think about some instances, we can think about some decisions, however that goes, we can think about that and realize that we were not following Him. But He's still being faithful to us. As we come to Christmas and we think about all that God has done for us in sending His Son, and we come to the end of this year and we look back and maybe it wasn't so great, we can remember that He was faithful to us even when we did not follow Him. See, that's the good news of Christmas, is that God sent His Son into the world to die on our behalf, to live a perfect life, and to give Himself for us when we were not following Him. It's not as if people were doing this really great job of following after God, and so God looked down and said, you know what, I think it's a good time to send Jesus, because they've kind of got their act together. They're doing pretty well. So now's a good time. 
No, he looked down at us. He looked down from his perfect vantage point and he saw how terrible and awful we were and he sent Jesus anyways. He saw, and we can read this in the Old Testament, go through and look at how many times the people simply do not follow God and yet he sends Christ anyway. The good news of Christmas is even though the disciples hear, he says, you will fall away. You're going to leave. You're going to run off. You're not going to stay with me. He shows his faithfulness because we see there, but in verse 28, but after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. In other words, you're going to run off. You're going to leave me. You're going to abandon me in my hour of need. But listen, when I'm raised up, I'm going to go where you need to be at. I'm going to go to the place and you can follow me. I'm going to go to Galilee and you'll be able to come and join me there, even though you ran off. God is faithful even when we do not follow him. Look at the second part. This gets into what Peter says. Peter said to him, even though everybody falls away, even though everybody runs off, I'm going to stick around. And Jesus says, no, you're going to deny me. You're going to deny me. You, you say you're going to stick around. You say you're going to go with me wherever, even if everybody else leaves. You say, Peter, you say Jesus, this is Peter, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with you even if it means I'm going to die. And Jesus says, no, you won't. You're not going to do it. You're going to be the one who denies me. And yet God remains faithful to Peter, even though Peter has denied him. If you go to the end of John's Gospel, and I encourage you to do this at, at a later time at your convenience, you go, to the, you go to John's Gospel, go to the last chapter, you'll find a conversation that Jesus has with Peter. Same guy now, remember. This guy denies him. This guy says, I don't know him. This guy says, I want nothing to do with him. But you get to the end of John's Gospel after Jesus has been crucified, after Jesus has been raised, and he has a conversation with Peter. And he restores Peter. In fact, we know that Peter denied him three times. At the end of John's Gospel, Jesus gives Peter three opportunities to reaffirm his commitment. For each time that he had denied Jesus, he gives the opportunity to say, I will follow you. In fact, he says, I will feed, or he says, feed my sheep. Jesus keeps telling him that. Go do my work. Go do the work I've called you to do. You deny me three times, well, here's three opportunities to recommit yourself. And we know that's what Peter does. The rest of Peter's life is spent following after Jesus. As a matter of fact, he follows Jesus even until where? The place he promised to start with. He follows him into the point where he dies for Christ. Jesus remains faithful to Peter even though Peter denied him. The good news for us is we deny Christ all the time. Maybe we've not stood publicly and done that as Peter did. But in our actions... In the attitudes that we have, we deny Christ. When we worship other things outside of Jesus, when we worship our money, when we worship our time, when we worship our stuff, we're denying Christ. And yet He is faithful. Go back and look at the Old Testament, the number of times they denied the power of God. People who had witnessed God do amazing things, they denied Him. They went and worshipped some other god. 
They denied the power that God had. And yet, what was God? In all of those times, He was faithful to His people. As you look back at this year and you look back at the things that you've done, have there been times when you did not follow Him? Have there been times that you denied Him? Remember that He, in those times, is still faithful to you. He's faithful to us. But it gets more serious when he goes from there. Because not only is he faithful when they deny him, but he's faithful as he faces death. Look in verse 32. So they go to this place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. So he has a number of disciples with him. We don't know how many. At this point, there are the 11 that are there. Remember, Judas has done, ran off. So there are at least eight that he leaves here. There might be more, but he leaves these disciples to pray. He says, sit here and pray. And he takes Peter, James, and John, his inner circle, the guys that he worked with most, the guys that he invested the most in, and he took them on ahead a little ways, and he began to be distressed. And he says, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. So he knows what is coming. He knows that his death is going to happen the next day. And it is breaking his heart. He's full of anguish. And so he takes these three and he says, wait here. I need to go a little further to pray. I want you to stay here and pray with me. Stay here and think about me. Stay here and and be a part of what I'm doing. But I need to go pray by myself. And so he goes ahead a little while and he begins to pray. And he falls on the ground. And he prays, he says, if it were possible, he wants to know if it's possible, this hour pass from me. But he says, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus knows that he's going to die, and yet he remains faithful to the mission that God sent him on. We sing a song, there's an old hymn, I believe it is, that talks about Jesus having the ability to call down 10,000 angels while he's on the cross. And yet that would be completely outside of his character. Because the character of Christ is one of faithfulness, even to the point of death. He's faithful to go to the cross for us and die in our place. We struggle to be faithful for Him. We struggle to be faithful to Him. We struggle to follow after Him in so many circumstances of our life. And yet He is faithful here as He is facing the death and anguish of the cross. He is standing here faithful before God. Not that it was easy. He calls out to God. He pleads with God. But in the end, He says, I will do, God, whatever you've called me to do because I am faithful. I'm faithful, even to the point of death. Do we say that to God? Do we repeat what Jesus has said to God in verse 36? Yet not my will, not what I will, but what you will? Do we have that commitment in our heart that we will follow after Christ, we will be faithful to Him no matter what it is that we face and no matter the circumstances that come in our lives. Christmas is a good reminder of that 
promise. Christ has made a promise to us and He has given us His salvation. He has given us deliverance from our sin. We celebrate the birth of Christ and we remember with a somber celebration His death. We celebrate His resurrection because of the promise that it gives us to new life. But it begs us to question ourselves as to whether or not we have been faithful to God. Whether in this year that has gone by we have been faithful, whether we are committing ourselves in the year that is ahead to being faithful to what God has called us to do. Christ there laying out on the ground in the garden on the last night of His life demonstrates that He is willing to be faithful even to death, even to death on the cross. He is faithful. So He's faithful when we don't follow Him. He's faithful when we deny Him. He's faithful in the face of death. And then fourth and finally, He's faithful even when we are far from faithful. Look at the disciples. Remember what they have seen and witnessed But it's late, and they're sleepy. So he comes out from praying. Remember, this is is prayer in anguish. The Bible describes his prayer in sweating as if it were drops of blood. And he comes and he returns to them, and he sees Peter asleep. Just an hour. And Peter's asleep. And he says, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Just one. Could you not give one hour to this cause that I have set before you? So he says again, he says in verse 38, watch and pray, same instructions, that you may not enter into temptation. This is important, he says. Be careful. Guard yourself. Watch and pray. He says, The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. They did not know what to answer him. And he came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. He he goes once and he prays and he comes back. And they're asleep. And he, he says, listen, this is very important. You need to stay awake. You need to guard yourself. What are they guarding themselves against? Well, again, they're almost ready to have the opportunity to deny him and betray him and leave him. And yet they fall asleep. And yet while they're asleep, remember this, while they are asleep, Jesus goes back and prays again. And so he comes back and he finds them and they are asleep. Their eyes were heavy. It was late. They were tired. 
And the reality is, I doubt very seriously they understood the gravity of the moment. That they understood what was coming. And so Jesus says, wake up. Stay awake. This is important. Guard yourself. Watch that you don't fall into temptation. And he goes back and he prays again. And he comes back and they are again asleep. Because it's late. And they're tired. And so Jesus doesn't give up, but it's time. Here was the opportunity. The opportunity for them to show that they were going to be faithful and they were going to follow Him to the cross. They were going to be faithful and they were going to be willing to die beside Him. The opportunity for for someone to show that they were going to step up And no one does. They give in to the temptation to go to sleep. They give in to the temptation to not understand the the moment. They eventually give in to the temptation to run and flee. This is why we give the disciples a hard time sometimes. Because what a great opportunity to get it. And they don't. And yet you and I would have done the same. And yet, what do we find Jesus doing? He's praying. He's as tired as they are. Remember, they didn't do much of the teaching. They just kind of hung around and got to listen. You know, they did some stuff, not as if they were lazy or anything, but, but Jesus is the one who invests the time. He's the one who invests the energy. He puts in the effort. He is the one who is teaching. We know from the other Gospels that this time that is spent uh, between uh, the Last Supper and the Mount of Olives, Jesus is doing a lot of teaching. We only have a little bit recorded here in Mark, but he is doing a lot of teaching that evening. He spent the whole evening teaching them some of the most important things that they will ever learn from him are taught on this last day. Jesus is exhausted, and yet he goes and continues to pray. He goes and continues to be faithful, and they fall asleep. Aren't you glad this morning that he is faithful even when we are not? That he is faithful even when we are not paying attention? That He is faithful even when we give in to temptation. He is faithful to us all the time. He is faithful when we forget the meaning of Christmas. He is faithful when we forget to take time to pray. He is faithful when we deny reading our Bibles. He is faithful when we do not go on mission as He has called us to go. He continues to be faithful to us. And it's a good thing. Because there are many times when he could come to us and he would find us asleep. He would find us not carrying out the task that he has for us. He would find us denying him. He would find us going in our own direction. He would find us not following after him. He would find us doing our own thing. And yet even in those moments, he continues to be faithful. Think about this. Jesus walks up to these disciples after they have fell asleep for the third time. 
Peter, James, and John, his most trusted disciples, the ones who he loved. He finds them laying there asleep, getting their rest, and he goes to the cross anyway. The ones who loved him the most, Peter, James, and John, the ones who gave their lives for him, were dedicated to him, the ones who followed after him faithfully after he was resurrected, the ones who had come to him before and and asked who could sit on his right hand or his left hand, the one who he just told was going to deny him, he finds them asleep. And he goes to the cross anyway. That's how much Jesus loves us. That's how much He cares for us. That He could find us in such a poor condition and go to the cross anyway. We should be grateful. We should be grateful at Christmas. We should be grateful throughout the year that we have such a faithful Savior. But we need to be reminded of this. There is no reason for us to be found unfaithful. There's no reason. We make excuses. We we try to talk about the the busyness of this or the, the, the hardship of that. We try to make these excuses. We try to blame it on this, that, or the other. But there is no reason for us if we are a follower of Christ There is no reason to be found unfaithful. Because even though we are sinful, even though we have fallen short of what God wants us to do, even though we have come up short of God's demand for our life, God's design for our life, the good news is that He sent Christ to die for us. And if we turn from our sin and follow after Him, He is faithful to forgive us and to give us new life. And when He gives us new life in Christ, we have no excuse to be unfaithful. It might happen. It will happen. We fall into the trap of sin. We give in to the temptation as these disciples did. But there is no excuse. As we think this week about the birth of Christ, we think about the promise that we have in Him. And the goodness of God in sending Christ for us, it should call us to be faithful. Think about your life. What are areas where you are not being faithful to God? What are areas where you are not following Him as you should? Areas of your life that you know He wants, but you you withhold them. Things in your life that God has called you to do. Things that God has told you you should do and you have simply not done them. Places in your life where you know the Bible has told you yes or told you no and you have rejected what God's Word has said. We think about the faithfulness of Christ. The example that He set in caring for those who did not follow Him. Dying for those who had denied Him. We, therefore, should be faithful. Think this week, as we approach Christmas on Friday, the great gift that you have is Christ. All this other stuff is just not really that important. 
The great gift you have is Christ. But the calling of that gift, the responsibility of that gift is faithfulness. If someone on Friday were to give you a gift of great value, something very expensive, you get up and you you open it up and there it is. You didn't expect it. You were surprised by it. You'd not done anything to deserve it. You, You weren't really expecting it, but there it is. I feel quite certain that we wouldn't take that gift and discard it. Oh, here's this wonderful, expensive, precious gift, and I'm going to throw it in the trash can. You show people, right? You'd want people to see it. You, you might post pictures of it on, on Facebook. You would maybe brag about it at work. You would you want people to know about it. We wouldn't take it and trample it or take it and throw it away or, or whatever it was. We, we just simply wouldn't do that. It's not what you do with a great gift, right? Well, God has been faithful and given you something far precious than anything you'll receive on Friday. And yet, how quickly do we discard it? How quickly do we put it away and not share it? How quickly do we forget about the gift that God has given us and we put it on a shelf somewhere and leave it and maybe pull it out at Christmas, possibly at Easter? And yet it's the gift that's worth far more than anything we'll ever receive, far greater than anything we could ever imagine, and definitely something that we did not deserve in any way. And yet God has given it to us. He he didn't charge us anything for it. We didn't have anything of value that we we could give to receive it. But if someone were to give you that type of gift on Friday, I I think we would show them great affection. We would be proud of it. We would share it around. Why would we not do that to what God has given us? Why would we not be faithful to Him when He's presented us with something far greater than anyone on earth has ever thought about giving us? Christmas reminds us of God's faithfulness, but it's also a call to us that we should be faithful to Him. Will you bow your heads with me as we pray? Heavenly Father, we... We are amazed by your faithfulness to us. As this passage and so many others in your word reminds us, you were faithful even when we were not. You were faithful when we had run far from you. You were faithful when we had shown you no love. You were faithful, God. You're faithful in sending Christ and we celebrate that this week. We celebrate that you sent your son to die for us. You sent your son born in Bethlehem's stable, knowing that he was destined for the cross so that we could have forgiveness of our sin, so that we could have redemption, so that we could have a relationship with you. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your faithfulness toward us. But God, our desire is to be faithful. God, help us to be faithful unto you. Help us, God, to have the the energy. God, keep us from temptation, God, so that we can be faithful to you. God, everything about this time of the year has become so busy and hectic. Our world loves to celebrate this time of the year, but not the birth of your son. God, help us. Help us to never forget that Christmas came at a high cost for you. But God, let us praise you for giving us the gift of Christ. Lord God, we thank you for who you are, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst, and we pray this morning in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we celebrate Christmas this year, as we begin to wrap up this year in general. I would ask you to think about your life. What are areas that you are not being faithful to God? What are some areas that you have not given over to Him? This morning is the time to think about those things as we celebrate the good news of Christ, as we celebrate His birth. We want to celebrate by being faithful. God has called us in His Word to be faithful as an example to Christ. Would you respond to His Word this morning as we sing?